There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, fuck. I just spilled kombucha everywhere. Fuck. I'll be two seconds. I'm already recording, so keep going, but... Fuck, it's in the bedroom and it's gonna stink forever. Fuck! Hello and welcome to Legitimate Likes, the podcast where we take a look at some of humanity's most popular fascinations and try to work out, are they really worthy of the hype? They may be likes, but are they legitimate likes? My name is Hugh, and I think I'm joined as always by my co-host Will. I can only see his microphone at the moment. Hi, welcome to Legitimate Likes, my name's Will. Oh, my headphones fell out. Oh, oh, fuck. Hi, Hugh. What's wrong, Will? Will, you seem to be all of a flutter. I'm, I'm on all fours, below the microphone. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, I'll probably say this into the microphone. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I did probably the most on-brand thing just before we started recording, and I knocked a can of kombucha onto my cream carpet. Um, so it smells like a, a wet, mango-y cave. That's the, the Seabag Montefiore special, really, isn't it? That, yeah, that's what, that was, that's what ta- was tattooed above my nipples. Uh, speaking of tattooed above my nipples, please welcome Gracie, I guess. I mean, what an intro. Yeah, Gracie, I mean, I feel the first time you were on the podcast, we sort of built it up for you. We sort of said, you know, and here he comes. We've got this amazing guest to come on and talk about it. And now it's, you know, I mean, afterthought isn't even the word. Like, Will is just trying, he's using you just to fill time here, really, well, isn't I mean, it? If, if you listen to yeah. Brett Goldstein's uh, podcast, Films to be Buried With, there, there's a loving two and a half minute tribute where accolades are reeled off uh praise is bestowed upon the guest and beer drinker grace haver beard wearer hair grower does some sort of job has dogs shares his love of the world with the world via instagram and his heart please welcome the man whose second name means exactly who he is alan grace for, for something so generic better it was still quite wrong in a lot of places huh 
Uh, name where it was wrong, actually. Uh, I have one dog. Okay. Um, job of some sort is true without being accurate. Yeah, okay. That, yeah, that's my whole thing. Yeah, very fair. That's this podcast. That is this podcast. Grace Haver was a, a, a confusing one. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, I could have added stupid if you didn't get it. If you want me to add stupid to it. More accurate. With the best will in the world, Gracie, and, and as someone who's very fond of you, I don't know that I'd say you've got Grace. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go put this towel that I usually use for showering that is now covered in floor kombucha in the laundry. Uh, don't do anything without me. Gracie, if you were, if, if someone asked you, or if someone said, okay, we're going to introduce you with a list of accolades, what would you come up with for yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I once swam in the UCD lake. That was a big moment in my life. Uh, real pinnacle and, and intentionally yeah or... no we went on the the ucd open day in fourth or fifth year i believe fourth year probably fifth year maybe and uh as happens people club together an amount of money for anyone who was willing to swim out in the lake out to the middle where the you know those fountains that shoot up into the air are right in the middle of ucd lake and mm. uh, so me and me and my good friend connor roan decided we were going to do it uh, and then obviously got escorted from the premises by security guards on our exit and had no dry clothes for the rest of the day. So, in hindsight, probably still my best moment in life. That's impressive, though, because I feel like it's. This, I was expecting you to say it was during some college event, but this was when you were actually 15 or yeah. 16. Prime idiot years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really at the peak of, like, enthusiasm and stupidity. Yeah, that, that sweet spot of no forethought and desperate to be liked. Speaking of which, please welcome our producer... Anya. There's so many wonderful moments there which you could have taken. Yeah. You know, I can't even can't even be I can't even be mad. That was very impressive. Did, did you like that? I feel like that was the most accurate one so far. <laughs> Gracie, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm delighted to be back on the pod. As I uh, told you before, not to get behind the scenes, but as I told you when we were recording last time, a good friend of ours uh, told me that I I wasn't funny and I was too echoey. So I've gone and got a mic, and I've decided I'm going to be a lot of fun on this episode. Uh, so There's a big difference between a lot of fun and being funny though isn't there because a lot of the times after my sketch shows people say that was a lot of fun but they don't say funny that makes me want to cry I, I can promise the lot of fun thing I can't promise the funny thing would so you guys going... rather be described as somebody who's a lot of fun or somebody who's very funny uh, funny obviously obviously oh I don't care about anything else I, <laughs> I can't I really am uh, I, I'm really flustered I my kombucha uh, fiasco has really thrown me off my my jam is that what you're on is that what i was on before a jam where did you drop the jam it's a bit like we've had somebody over to our house and we didn't know they were coming and everything's a bit messy but loose yeah and then as they rang the doorbell i dropped a thing of kombucha on the cream yeah. carpet yeah i just c- can't tell you how cavey and, and wet it smells in here can i can i put something to you will that might get you back on track because i think i'd need your expert opinion on this Oh, thank God. You're, you're, the, you're the, the resident comedian. Um, so I was thinking... Debatable, but yeah. To up my game podcasting so I don't get those criticisms again, I've been workshopping uh, some catchphrases. Great. That I think will elevate me. And also I feel if I get a thing, you'll be forced to invite me back again and again. <laughs> so I, I, I'll just I'll, I'll rattle them off for you. Uh, you tell me. What you yeah, think. yeah catchphrase number one that's a good one and that's podcasting oh sorry i thought catchphrase number one was the first catchphrase it was i was running together that's catchphrase number one at okay great catchphrase number one i think should sit on its own catchphrase number two is and that's podcasting that's nice i like and that. i i'll just 
I'll, I'll just throw that in when something great happens uh, as a real, you know, just as a button on now it. Now that's podcast. Um, you don't see that every day. <laughs> yeah. Very good. That's really good for a, an audio <laughs> medium. That's really strong. Yeah, I thought that too. And yeah. hold the cheese. I'm not, yeah. not sure in the context of that one yet. It, it's either going to be a rebuke. So let's say Anya says something really racist. Mm. I could be like, hold the cheese. Um, Anya, if you want to help me demonstrate this now, if you could just say something quite racist. Reject it. I'm trying to think of a group that aren't like, oh God, I hate the Belgians, you know? What about that, that Chinese, remember that Chinese voice you always used to do when we were in college? Sorry? Remember you used to do that Chinese voice in college at lunchtime? No, I did <laughs> and so anyway Anya would say something racist like we just did which we redacted and, and Hugh could be like oh hold the cheese okay I like it yeah so that, that, that's just what I've worked on I like it though Gracie but I, interestingly I think I think these catchphrases all fall under the category of a lot of fun rather than funny <laughs> and, that, and that's what yeah, I promised I we've seen the difference that's what there. I promised that is so cutting <laughs> so the episode we're going to do today is one of the most requested episodes that we've had since the the start of the podcast. So we're going to talk about The Office, specifically the US version. And uh, Gracie, it's great to have you here. I know that you're a lifelong, uh, well, maybe not a lifelong fan. That would be a bit creepy. Yeah. Uh, but you're uh, a longtime fan. So maybe we'll we'll get into it. Um, are we happy to, to kick off with the quiz? Yeah. Okay, so four of the regularly appearing secondary characters on The Office have the same first name as the actor that plays them. Can you give me the four people in question? I think I can. Okay, okay. So will, will I leave it to anyone else? Go straight in there, Gracie. Going straight in with the answers and no kind of banter probably isn't the great option. But... I was going to say, yeah, Gracie, you're very much going for accuracy ahead of comedy here now, which I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but just make sure your voice doesn't echo while you do it, mate. No, I mean, that has them switching off in their droves. Mm. So it's um, Phyllis Creed, Angela and Oscar. Stunning work. Four for four. Boop, boop, boop. And that's podcasting. <laughs> nice. On the, on the same theme, so two of the cast went to high school together. Uh, and they were even on the same Little League baseball team. Anyone know which two cast members that was? I think I do. Okay. Gracie, do you? I, I do, yeah. So I'll do leave you? this one to you. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Let's get no. We want. This is why we invite the guest. We want you to get through the quiz as quick as possible, and then see if we have anything to say about the show, which I don't think I do, and I don't think Hugh's internet connection will allow him to. So, power through it, baby. Bj Novak and John Krasinski. Absolutely correct. Yeah, they went to Newtown South High School in Newton, Massachusetts, and they both graduated in the same year, in 1997. In my bid to also become a regular and have a bit again, I've done a little quiz for you to drag this time out as well. So we've oh, got sure. more okay. content there in the background. Oh, Play it fantastic. On oh, that's great. I'll do no, you finish your one first. I'm just saying we can we can drag this out. Oh, so sure. Grand. Okay. Uh, okay, so... It was, though, Gracie. I did like the power play of interrupting Anya's quiz to say, <laughs> I have a quiz to do, but finish yours first, rather than just <laughs> letting more to finish. reassure Will, who I can see thinking, we've, we've got nothing to do after this quiz. We've loads to do. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've loads to do. Oh, that's good. I'm sorry for... I to. I can't I can't explain how much of a trauma this kombucha situation has been for me. You've certainly tried to. <laughs> you haven't had a hard life, have you, Will? I'm my name is William Seabag Montefiore. What do you think? Yeah. Gracie obviously knows an awful lot of office trivia. 
but I've one more. Who served as reason, regional manager of the Stanford branch? And I want a full name. Oh, I can't get that. I know the first name, but I don't know that I have a second name for you. He's mm. thinking. The cogs are whirring. Do you, okay, can you give me the first name? First name's Josh. Josh Porter. And he is the uh, manager of the Stanford branch who leaves to take a job with... Staples. Staples, yeah. Um, so we'll get into it. And Gracie uh, correctly asked me the other day, or was it today, was this going to be covering the UK or the US office? And it is. We're just going to talk about the US office today. Unless anybody has any any hot takes uh, uh, on, on the, the UK office. So uh, to get into it, like, did you guys watch it from the start when it was on TV? Or when did you first... Whoa, 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 whoa. Anya, we've got quiz number two. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> we're heading for Gracie quiz. Sorry. I'll, I'll do a very... Very quick quiz for you. No, see if please, you have any. Please take your time. <laughs> uh, do any of you know which of Michael Scott's love interests is his real life wife? Yes, um, uh, Nancy. Carol. Yeah. Carol, but her name is Nancy. Carol. Carol. Carol, Carol the the real estate agent. Nancy's yeah. her actual name. Yeah. And then uh, the the other question I have for you is: Do you know which of these characters, uh, of these three, only one was hired as an actor originally? The others had behind the scenes jobs and then were put in camera. So between Oscar, Toby, and Phyllis. Oh, I know the answer to this. I know the answer to this too, mainly because I listen to Office Ladies, which is a podcast uh, that started at a similar time to us and has had similar success. <laughs> I know the answer. It's it's Oscar. Yes, to- Toby was an executive producer and Phyllis was a casting agent. This is my uh, my worry with this whole episode is the amount that this has been covered. It's just everyone going, yeah, knew that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you know this? Yeah, did then know that. I, I was thinking that already. It's very much Evan's like, yeah, got it. Yeah, have that. Yeah. Well, so tell me, when did you guys first uh, come to the show? Don't remember. I think I just graduated from drama school. It was maybe 2014. Uh, I think, yeah, 2014. I sat and watched it and didn't do much else and was like, oh, I guess this is what being an actor is, just sitting at home watching The Office. And that's not really changed. Gracie? Uh, I, I watch it from the start, uh, pretty much. Uh, I used to download the episodes uh, when they come out because I'm such a big fan of the UK office. Uh, possibly even more of a fan of the UK office. Uh, so I was watching from the get-go uh, and the early kind of, not shot for shot, but a lot of scenes where directly remakes of the UK office where it felt a bit awkward and a bit uh, odd. So I, I watched from, I think that was 2000, I was still in college, so 2004 probably, 2003, whenever it came out. Mm. Uh, and, and then watched it straight through then as they came out. Yeah. Hugh, what about you? Yeah, I didn't watch it until it had, it had finished entirely. And uh, part of it was because I think I sort of thought, ah, oh, you know, I love the UK office. It's so great. And... I don't know, do I want a more, you know, whatever whatever the US office is. And also, I think by the time I... It, I also had that thing of like, oh, but there's so much of it, and am I really going to watch it? But then, uh, yeah, got into it, watched the first season, which, as Gracie says, contains a lot of very similar stuff. Although, other than the first episode, I don't think it's as bad as people say. People are like, oh, get rid of the first season. And I'm like, no, the first season is fine. You know, there's some great stuff in there. And then, uh, yeah, watched it. I've watched it through probably three times at least i would say and uh yeah it's great it's great uh hugh are you an office ladies fan or do you just listen to it uh well i've listened to a hundred and something episodes so i guess i guess i am i will say what i would say is it is a it is a very lovely comfortable listen like it's a very very friendly happy podcast um i do get frustrated 
by the sheer stupidity of the questions that they get from fans <laughs> um, and also by how unerringly positive they are about those questions. Like, they're like, what a great question. It's not. It's a terrible question. And uh, occasionally... What kind of questions are we, are we talking? So one of the big questions is always, was this improvised or was it scripted? And it's like, it was scripted, okay? It's a scripted show. And they're going to tell you if it's improv, because they always tell you if it's improv, literally every time. <laughs> or then they also do things like, like, do you remember there was a, there's a, the, the dead bird episode where Pam organizes the funeral for the dead bird. And I think someone wrote in saying, was it a real dead bird? And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> What? Then there's there's episodes where or there's there's questions like uh, the 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 after Roy after David Denman uh, loses Pam and then there's a mugshot of him. He says he has a DUI. Someone sent in a question saying, "How did you get a mugshot of him?" Someone asked a question, "Did did uh, Steve Carell and Jan really go to Jamaica to get that photo taken?" People ask stupid questions. And do they do they just answer them like great question, Brian from Iowa? No, the bird was fake. Like absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The bird was actually fake. Um, we didn't wait for a bird to die to write that into the story. Uh, w- w- that was planned. The car chase, that was that was planned. It's interesting because you get interviews with other people who are on it, and you do hear lots of interesting little nuggets about it. But yeah, sometimes it's, you know, I mean, for, for those of us who have a bit more negativity in our souls, you know, sometimes you just want a bit more. A bit more bite. A bit more down and, down and dreary. And they're and they're not that. But if you want a if you want a positive listen, plug into Office Ladies. No, I I dipped out of it for that reason. I think I I probably did about fifty odd episodes, and it was yeah the the constant, uh, the stupid questions were a real bear. And then you know there's only so many times I can hear them kind of talk about oh, and it was Ken Quapis directing, and you all know how much we love Ken Quapis. Like, oh, for fuck's sake, nobody cares. I know. Yeah. Uh, people writing in asking how how did you get. How did you get a life-size box for him to hide in? So we just ordered a big box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there I is think a lot of that. I one of the things that. about it is, so there's you know, a fine line between something being really cosy and you've watched it and you feel like you know the characters and you know the actors and you've heard yeah. the podcast so that you feel like you're in the gang. But then sometimes it gets too in-jokey and you realise, oh, hang on, I'm just this creep out looking through the window. Are you talking about Ken Quapus? Yeah. Well, I couldn't give a Quapus. This is a, a a big old name drop, so watch out. But I went to I went to Lottie Bedlow of Bake Off. Uh, she was in the Great British Bake Off. I went to her book launch yesterday and drank all the free booze and then didn't buy a book. But I'd already pre-ordered one, so it's fine. But um, I I I, I, I there was like loads of people there, and I was like, oh, there's someone I know. There's someone I know. And it took me a while to realize I don't know them. They're just all people from Bake Off and I've watched the bake cakes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, they don't know who I am. We haven't met. We aren't making eye contact and smiling because I know them. It's because they're polite and I'm a weirdo. Well, that's a great point. So, you know, parasocial relationships. So that would apply to like Bake Off where you, you've seen a real person and you've kind of convinced yourself you have a sort of a, a bond with them. But what, what is it when it's a fictional character? You know when people develop this like love of like Pam and Jim, but and you feel and you feel like that you're friends and you know oh, you're yeah. you're totally buying into it. But I mean, like. But I guess that's just that's just good writing. You know, it's like why are you sad when Dumbledore dies? What spoiler? Did you know that actually Dumbledore dying was completely improvised? 
<laughs> it's funny because Angela so Angela comes from an improv background but she she is so proud and obviously coming like starting the series as a background performer like she's so proud of any time she does have a bit of improv in there so again it'll be a bit on the podcast where Angela will say but Jenna, do you know that when I came into the room and I give, I, I have that sort of frowny look on my face, that wasn't in the script. That was an improv. And Jenna's like, oh my God, lady, that's amazing. And she's like, I know. And I'm so glad they kept it in. And it's like, oh is that, God. Is, am I right thinking about Will? That that's not really improv. Like there's a certain amount of just, that's acting. <laughs> like if you come into the room. Yeah. I, I think it's like, I think there's two sides to it, which is like, it's a genuinely interesting insight, I think, to like what points are actually written down in a script. And does it say with a frowny face or whatever? Or with a smiley like, face. Is that all it says but on the improv, script? I think improv is very, I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's like, if you if you mess around with a line and you, you start paraphrasing, you, you add bits to it and you like top the joke at the end. That's always, I think that happens a lot on American sets and probably more on UK sets now as well. But uh, yeah, to claim that a facial expression was improvised. Well, that's like, well, I mean, life's improvised. Uh. Um, so, I mean, this has turned into quite a snipey dissection of uh, the office's place in our culture. Do you have any unpopular opinions on the show itself? Um, like, I, I suppose I do. I think that it's an amazing show, particularly seasons two, three and four, you know, and then five and six are still very very good and then I think there is a big fall off and like I still enjoy watching the later seasons but I don't think it's anywhere near the quality of it uh, afterwards I think they you know and it's kind of the obvious stuff like there's just a million guest stars I think the writing isn't as good obviously they just miss Steve Carell an awful lot and I think there's also like the Pam and Jim thing and I love the Pam and Jim storyline but basically once they get together it's pretty boring you know like Mm. it just doesn't have the same impact and it's something if you go back to the UK office like the Tim and Dawn thing. Okay, David Brent is great, but the Tim and Dawn thing is really the center of it emotionally for you. And it ends, obviously, with spoilers, it ends with them getting together. And that's that's the last you see of it. And I think once Pam and Jim are together, they keep trying to introduce bits of tension and stuff. And I just, yeah, I don't know that it works. So I think, like any show, it, it doesn't have a peak for nine seasons, but I think it has an amazing peak i think two seasons two three four are as good as any t- comedy tv i would think they are very popular opinions though on the office i think that's probably a lot of people's takeaway on it is it yeah no i think it I, I think it is i think it is but what i'm saying is we're we're coming at this like we're coming at this as big fans of the office but in reality i'm like yeah but i'm a really big fan of of a third of it you know Can i make a confession right so I only watched it for the first time during the pandemic. So Hugh has been telling me about this this cool new show from the US for years. But I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. I, I had a very different idea in my head of what it was going to be like. I, 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 I didn't watch it. Anyway, I got into it and was like, this is... Like, I, I don't... Like, during the pandemic, you know, Dark Days, the dinner party episode, I don't think I, I'd laughed as much. Uh, you know, anyway, it blew me away, right? I Sorry, but just, just to be clear, when, when we were working together, you hadn't seen The Office. No. You made almost... Hold the cheese. Hold the cheese, because you made almost minutely that's what she said jokes. I, I mean, Michael Scott and I can have the same great idea independently of each other. No problem. <laughs> that, that is absolutely uh, flabbergasting. Well, what I was going to say was, I have rewatched it many times since, and I still haven't watched the Scott's Tots episode, and I skip over it. Oh, it's the best. I skip over it every single time. Every time I realise which episode it is, I say, what? I, I can't handle this. And I, 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 I've, I've never seen it. 
What? That's so oh, you've weird. You've never seen it. You didn't watch it the first time. No. Ah, on you. Such a weirdo. Why? Explain yourself. I I just I can't I can't I can't bear it. I just can't bear it. It's just I I, I can I can handle a lot of cringy TV, but this this is just. I, I can't and it's I, I you know the, the episode is tipping along for the first couple of minutes and then something comes up about you know Michael has agreed to pay these school these college fees and I say okay uh, that's fine um, next episode and we just all move on with our lives but only you've definitely made it so much worse in your head you know you gotta watch it well, can we all watch it together <laughs> yeah yeah Gracie have you any unpopular opinions on the show I'm not yet. Once again, I don't know if they're unpopular or if they're um, if they're kind of widely held. Uh, but first of all, Michael Scott is not uh, a lovable screw up with a heart of gold. He, he's a bad person. Oh, and Ooh. I still and that, that's where the comedy comes from. But uh, like, he's not a good person. He's petty. He's vindictive, and he's cruel. Uh, he only wants people's friendships when he thinks he can't have it, and anyone who shows him any friendship, he dismisses because. That it hasn't been hard earned in some way. Uh, he'll throw anyone under the bus as soon as he thinks he's in trouble if it saves himself. Uh, so you've got I, like there's kind of, there's the um, the golden ticket episode is one of the best examples mm. of that. When when as soon as things start going wrong, he tries to convince Dwight to essentially lose his job to save his ass. When Dwight does it and it turns out okay, he can't even take it the fact that he's gotten away with something. He has to try and throw him under the bus. He he torpedoes Jim. Uh, when he thinks he's going for a manager's job, uh, his constant treatment of Toby, like this, it, it all it makes it very, very funny. And I think that's where why he's such a funny character. Uh, but I think it's this thing of like with um, Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, where we trick ourselves into thinking, thinking whoever's getting the most screen time mm-hmm. is someone we should root for and someone we think should be good. Uh, when really the comedy comes from the fact that he is such a petty, vindictive little man. But do you think that we that we all kind of see a lot of that in ourselves? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I definitely. I do think it's interesting though because I think when when uh, because you look at David Brent in the UK office and like he's so unlikable, especially in the first season, and then the second season they make him more sympathetic by just making the other people around him less nice and also, you know, various other things. But apparently, again, and this is something that I've heard on Office Ladies and other places, Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais said to the guys making the US office, you have to be so careful not to make Michael Scott hateable. You know, not to make people hate Michael Scott. And I think the way they do that, I think you're absolutely right, he still has all those awful characteristics, but he's also just much more of an idiot and much more slapstick. And therefore, we kind of have that. We give him that lovable. And I guess they do make him, like, good with kids and stuff like that. That that Halloween episode where he gives the sweets to the kids at the end, like, that's definitely a very calculated move. No, they give him redeeming moments to, to draw you back in. But I, I just think he's not... Overall, he's not this, like... They paint him as a buffoon trying his best, who's a lovable idiot kind of thing. Or at least that's what fans seem to come away with. Mm. Whereas, I mean, there's, there's a lot of episodes, particularly the stuff... Um, with uh, what's the new the new reception? Aaron, uh, there's the Secretary's Day episode where he's just decided he, he just oh, hates her for no reason. Yeah. Anytime he also meets a woman who he decides is unattractive, but someone thinks he should be attractive, like he, he to their face essentially tells them that they're too ugly for him. Oh, like Pam's landlord. Pam's landlord. Yeah. What does he say? It's like talking to a lovely old woman or something At like the bus, that. On the bus, yeah. Uh, who do you think you you are in in the office? Which which cast members do you think we've got here? Which four 
season regulars are here. I feel we should also diagnose each other because there's self-diagnosis, but then we have to sure. diagnose sure. each other, you know? Yeah. Like, I think I'm probably Oscar. I think you're probably, okay. I think you're probably Jim and I know I... Ah, but I'm not, no, I, I don't think, I, I'm not, I think I'm more like Tim in the UK office. I think Jim is a bit too cool, although maybe he's not actually. I, but no, I think Hugh, Hugh is Oscar, that does make yeah, sense. Yeah, I get that. You know, because like I'm kind of relatively, you know, do my own thing, whatever, probably do think I'm smarter than most other people, bit annoying at times when that comes out. But like all in all, just you know, there to do a job and, and frustrated by people around. And me, you're you know? a member of the coalition of reason, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And and you like crossword puzzles? No, that's Stan Stanley. Stanley. Oh, to be honest, yeah. I actually think I'm quite like Stanley as well because I think I will try and get away with sitting at the back and doing absolutely nothing except a crossword for quite a long time. You know, like if I was in that office job, I would be. Clocking in, clocking out, like Stanley. Yeah, but you know? you've also got kind of a camp counselor. Yes, team, go team, vibe as well. I, 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 I haven't seen that side of you. <laughs> uh, Will, who do we think you are? Who do you think you? Who do you think you are? Uh, are we all Oscar? Is that going to be the problem? No, <laughs> <laughs> because he's the most normal character in it. Maybe, maybe Erin. Yeah, you do have a touch of her kind of childlike bewilderment at, at the world and annoyance yeah yeah i like erin yeah but she is annoying yeah like she annoys the other characters i think she's a brilliant character i really like her but she's annoying to other people and i sometimes on this podcast adopt a stance like you know for example uh picking one at random talking about kombucha for so long that i think i think's uh, a great thing to do and other people find uh tedious so i think that's a bit of an erin quality who do we think Gracie is uh, well, I see. I was gonna say you could be somebody like one of the one of like the Charles Miners or the. Um, are you? Have you got to touch the rubber, California? Maybe. I mean, okay. <laughs> so sorry. So so you give you're like we're sort of picking different people, and then you're like, well, Gracie, you're Idris Elba, obviously. You know. <laughs> so you you piece of shit scrubs are neurotic idiots. But you are just a successful, charismatic Yeah, I mean, I can see a bit of that. But there's a bit of Ryan in there, too, you know? No, you're Ryan. You're 100% Ryan. I don't know about that, too. I I think, from my own point of view, I think uh, you're obviously meant to think you're Jim. But I'm not. I'm probably probably closer to... I'd say I've got a a lot of Steve... Or uh, Michael Scott's pettiness. Uh, And, and like, hate for seeing my friends succeed. Um... and, and bringing catchphrases yeah. to the table early doors, and then yeah. possibly a bit of Andy in that uh, I, I'm someone who's had an overprivileged upbringing and failed to mediocrity. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you are. I think you're a hundred percent Ryan. You've had the. Oh, look, you've I'll had the bleached that. hair as well. Oh yeah, I mean, you've was... had the holidays in Thailand. You say you have anyway. Um, I, to be clear, when, when I was in college. We we need to put a time on the holidays to Thailand because there's an oh, acceptable yes, yes. time to go to Thailand. I also do believe, Gracie, and I know this is this is not a complimentary thing to say to you, but uh, I think you'll still understand where I'm coming from. I think it would be totally plausible for all of your friends, for your wife, for your child, for your family to still believe that you were going into your job as a lawyer and then it to actually turn out that you were working in a bowling alley for years. <laughs> oh, what, what, 
100%. Onya, you are Michael Scott. I'm sure Michael Scott. I'm 100% Michael Scott. No, I, I think Onya is uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, character. that's a great shout. <laughs> Michael Scott, but like worse. <laughs> Well, I'd like to be David Wallace. That's no, but I'd it's like it's, it's in the same way that like I think if we can look at just some other TV shows, I think I'm Tim from The Office in UK, and I want to be Jim from the US Office. But there's the danger that I become David Mitchell's character in Peep Show. You know? <laughs> it can go either way there. <laughs> for for the first time listener, we we often have a, a producer called Michael. Uh, and if you want to understand the next couple of minutes of this, uh, you should probably go back and listen to an episode with him on it. I'd recommend the Italian food episode because he's crazy. Who do we think Michael is? Michael Scott. Yeah, I mean, there's no question like, there. Michael both looks like Steve Carell. Is that fair to say? He has so many of the same mannerisms. He has Michael Scott's very strange way of looking at the world in a way that nobody else does. Yeah. No, and if you listen to the camping episode, I told a story where, I won't rehash it, where Michael, about turning a bag into a hat, very like Michael Scott in the Survivor Man episode. There's another episode where Michael, you see Michael doing improv, and it's about, you know, he always has a gun when he does improv, and he ruins every improv scene because he just pulls the gun on people. It's 100% our Michael as well, you know? Like, he's, he's, he's absolutely, there's so many yeah. times when I watch the show, and I just say, that's our Michael. Yeah, and you know, one of my favourite scenes of the whole thing, and something that I frequently just say to my husband, apropos of nothing, is, you know, Concierge Marie in Canada. Mm. I, think my, I think Michael would just really love a kind of a business hotel concierge service. I think he'd love finding yeah. out where to send the dry cleaning and where to go for Chinese food on Christmas Eve. Uh, he's, yeah, it's, it's 100%, uh, he's 100% Michael Scott. Yeah. Uh, he wishes he was David Wallace, I think, or Charles Minor. But I am Charles Martin. I was really, I was, I was really, I was really, I threw it out there, Gracie. It didn't stick. You know, I tried. Oh, it, it's going to be my Twitter bio by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, see, I think the thing about Charles Martin, I think you, you don't have, Charles Minor is very cutting without being funny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like Charles Minor 2.0 then. I'm better. Yeah. Bit of fun and funny. What more do you want? That's going to be my only fans bio by the end of the day. <laughs> I, I, when do you know I, what, Gracie? I think you should have more confidence in writing your own bios, mate. Like, I think you could beat all of these. You clearly have a lot of different platforms that you need I to work on. Things are tough out there. Gracie, what would it take for you to set up an OnlyFans? Five minutes, probably, and an internet connection. <laughs> yeah. uh, people often want to see, you know, obviously what, what we look like. Well, I say people are our small, small but dedicated fan base. Gracie, there was some interest from the ladies in you. And what does this man look like? He looks very handsome. And uh, the person in question was crushed when I showed a photo of you with your with your lovely family. Your <laughs> what a look! <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they were crushed when yeah. they saw what he looked like. That was that was that was a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> no, no, they said the face matched the voice. No, that also could happen. Incredibly <laughs> cruel ending. And crushed. they were horrified. They got sick on my. They got sick <laughs> on my phone. How could how could such a wonderful voice come out of such a hideous person? <laughs> I used to listen to uh, BBC Radio Leeds, and when I was when I was like fourteen, and there was a, a presenter, and they had like just a really sexy voice, and then I was like, I like yeah. the way you went a little and bit sexier I, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's because I was remembering it. It's Radio uh, they... Leeds. <laughs> I've got a really oh. sexy voice. Oh, and you stop. It's very hard to continue the conversation when you're distracting me like that. But this uh, this presenter then it turns out was like fully in their seventies, and I was like fourteen. And um, sometimes in the office, I find it uncomfortable 
because uh, I don't know the behind the scenes of it. When and it's in any TV show actually, when a joke hinges on the physical appearance of an actor, I find that a really weird yeah area to be messing around in. And I'm like, I'm sure I I would hope that it was like very much like in good humor and like. Uh, uh, and you know consented by the actors but it always just takes me out of it a bit because i'm like oh. that joke about x physical appearance is like well i can i ask you a question i've always wanted to ask an actor so when you go for a casting yeah. call will they be like wanted disfigured hideous man and then or could you be taken in as like wanted man in 30s for a role and then on the set they're like now uh, will we're just going to make this joke about this incredibly cruel joke about your personal appearance like how, how does that happen uh it depends it depends on the thing um usually with like tv stuff there isn't a, there isn't a huge description of physical appearance there'll be like an age or like but like a mysterious looking guy um and it tends to be just age bracket but it's always playing age it's it's against the law to ask someone their real age because uh, it's age discrimination so you can't ask them unless it's like crucial to the um like if it's an alcohol product, you have to be over 25 to advertise it. What you tend to get with commercial castings is like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find one actually at the moment, but I can't find one in my inbox. But uh, it's like, we want real looking people. They're attractive, but not intimidatingly attractive. Must have <laughs> comedy bones, subtle performances, but very, very big. We need this to read as natural, but with a sense of over the top performance. You know, like it's really. Is that your? Is that your sweet spot? <laughs> I don't think I've yet found a sweet spot. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, being uh, being asked to look real is a real gut punch, right? Or being told yeah. that you look very real is, is is not great. I've got some need some excellent comedy bones here. Someone able to do some comedy ad libbing with ease. He is real and relatable with a lovely characterful face. A characterful face again. That's just insulting. Yeah, shots fired. Do, do you think uh, comedy has moved away from that a little bit, though? That I don't know. Would would a joke be like I say, like somebody like like there's a huge amount of jokes made about Brian Phyllis and uh, sorry Kevin Phyllis and Stanley being overweight and being the butt of Michael's jokes. Do you think that would happen now? Has that gone out of fashion? I mean, it's very much like it's very much making a point that he is a terrible person. But I, I think it wouldn't happen now because it does feel a bit like... I, I It does feel like you're reinforcing the, like, it's bad to be, uh, like, vaguely overweight or, like, not look in this particular way. So I, I don't know if it would happen, and I, I think that's a positive thing. But, like, so Jenna Fisher talks about this a lot on the podcast, and she and Angela talk a lot. One of the things they do talk a lot about is, like, you know, the pressures on women in acting and women in comedy and all the different uh, aspects and difficulties that come up. But one of the things that Jenna says is that the network, is it NBC? Were they NBC? Um, but uh, basically said, uh, because I think occasionally Pam and the costume designer were like, oh, can we put Pam in a suit? Or can we put her in slacks? Or can we do this? And they were like, nope, Pam wears pencil skirts, which is very creepy. And it doesn't track at all. Because and then no. you say it, it's re- like Pam is a very frumpy dresser. Like she wears the cardigans and that's like part of her... Mm. You know, she's that's her kind of her that's the way lots of people that's the way most people who work in offices dress, you know, like in a you know, very blandly. And it doesn't yeah, make frumpy losers. <laughs> but Hugh, did they get any pressure then to like the, the, so there obviously was some pressure then to be kind of sex symbols then? Yeah, I mean 
I guess so. Like, I guess it was a factor. And, like, even... I mean, it's funny because, obviously, like, <laughs> like Pam is the classic example of it's, like, oh, like, extremely beautiful actor who, like, we kind of pretend isn't as attractive. Like, when Amy Adams comes in, you know, and it's, like... And they, like, that was a very deliberate thing to be, like, okay, well, we're making Amy Adams, like super super attractive and trying to like make Pam less attractive you know because that's what Michael Scott is able to get his joke from one of the uh, hearty women of uh, Scranton (laughs) but um, yeah it is kind of great because Jenna Fisher obviously in Blades of Glory is a classic Hollywood beauty (laughs) so yeah it's very you've really elevated Blades of Glory there (laughs) Uh, what did you guys think of Will Ferrell's turn on um, on the office terrible I actually think he's. I actually think he's very funny on it. Um, but again, it's like, oh, you're just. This is what you're. You're just. You're just going for this for a few episodes, and at least they, what I would say is at least they only. Oh, to be honest, sorry, I think he's very funny in his first scene with Michael Scott when they're at the bar. I think that's a great scene, and then again, it's just like, why are we doing yeah, this? And all, all he does, what Will Ferrell does, and what he's made a career out of, and he's very good at, is just coming in and shouting and being loud. But like, and I love him for it. But uh, yeah, like it's just again, it was it just smacked of the desperation that I think never left once, even a little before Michael left. To be honest, it's another thing where I think the guy who was obviously they had lots of writers, but the guy who was running the show, Greg Daniels, left at some point to make Parks and Rec, didn't he? Yeah. Or, and so you know, so then you just you don't have that same. It's like when when Aaron Sorkin left The West Wing. You know, like you notice a difference. I think even though you have a lot of the same people working on it. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of me just saying terrible. Like, he's he does what you'd expect him to do, and he doesn't do... Like, the scenes are classic Will Ferrell. It's just... It was kind of a ridiculous thing to put in, and it's one of these things... I know we keep referring back to the podcast, but, like, particularly the Office Ladies one, they're, they're so kind of... Uh, not pious, but they're so staunch on the fact that they tried to make it as close to a documentary as possible and as close to a mockumentary and clearly they don't mm. they, they abandon things at will they they throw that kind of facade out to get shots they'd never get and so and they do, in the early seasons they try yeah. to avoid the cameos so when you come into something like a Will Ferrell for four to six episodes whatever it is uh, just causing chaos that you, you can't like that's just so out of kilter what they're trying to achieve and then you can't kind of sit back on a podcast and kind of go Oh well, we you know we brought in the cameramen for Survivor because we wanted people who were used to getting shots on the run, and they just let the footage roll, yada yada. And then you have him essentially being a, a maniac, pretending he can dunk and juggling with no balls, and you're kind of going, oh, it's still we're, we're like it's close to a documentary, mockumentary as you can get. So I think I think it failed completely on that level without him, like it's not like he didn't do exactly what you thought he would do. And it's not like he wasn't funny in a Will Ferrell way, but it, it, it wasn't like a Will Ferrell vehicle. Yeah. And they do also say, like they did say when they were talking about the first season, they were like, you know, or the second season, they were like, you know, and they, they didn't want it to be a thing where like, Oh, we're just piggybacking on big names. We're not doing that. And it's like, well, that's all you did for three seasons at the end. You know, like you lost that even longer, probably, you know, you just, you just gave that up. And you, in a way, look, the show continued, I think to be really enjoyable. And I do enjoy the last few seasons, mainly because I think Dwight carries it with, with some of Andy and Angela as well. But like they, they left, they left behind a lot of, I think what made it good early on. So, sorry, one thing actually speaking of uh, Tinder bios, OnlyFans bios. So a lot of, uh, probably especially guys your age, like a big part of their personalities is being a fan of The Office. 
So do you think you're one of those fans or the way you, do you think the way you like it is different? What do you think of fans of The Office on a day, a pro or a con of the show? Uh, I think, I think uh, I'm definitely in the category of, I'm, I'm right in the demographic where being a fan of the UK Office and Alan Partridge is like a defining part of friendships and personality for the US Office. I think anything with that fandom always uh, grates on me because they're the ones that will like the office ladies podcast they'll try and like retcon things that were obvious mistakes or you know just continuity errors and talk about like oh this is the genius that's actually you know this is a this is foreshadowing x y and z or they'll try and come up with um ridiculous conspiracy like uh storylines whereby kevin is like uh an idiot savant and stuff when really what they did with kevin is what they did with joey and friends and what any sitcom that runs for kind of five or six seasons and longer ends up happening they took one funny aspect of his character and let it become his only character so like kevin at the start of it is an accountant who at one point it's revealed is also a um a world series poker champ and then by 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 season eight or nine there's an episode where he can't speak english properly (laughs) Um, i think the fandom is all I th- it's all a bit cringe and it's all a bit try hard. I, I, I don't think I'd like to associate myself with those kind of people, but I probably am one of those people. Well, no, but Gracie, I think that's why when we describe what we're fans of, we're like, oh yeah, it's great. But like, you know, it's seasons two to four, you know, I think yeah. it's why we then do that. Why we then find the, because we're like, we're not those all adoring fans. I think the thing with the UK office is interesting though, because like there is still the thing of like someone said to me recently they're like oh I pref- you know the 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 UK office is better and like I'd ag- I'd agree again I think it's just one of those things where well do you know what I mean it's funny because I'm I think the UK office is basically perfect right and the US office isn't but there are more good episodes of the US office than there are of the UK office simply because there are yeah. you know probably 40 good episodes of the US office or 50 and there are only 12 of the UK but like it is one of those things where you're like no I am allowed like both though you know I think they're so different they're such utterly different shows and I I was guilty I remember when I went to watch it first the US one I was like oh right so this is the Gareth character and this is Tim and it's like no do you know what though Dwight is nothing like Gareth He's not at all after the first episode where they try to make him like Gareth. And you just have to accept, like, it's a totally different show. I think we've all worked with a Gareth, but I don't think we've all worked with a Dwight. No, and again, that's the thing. You see, the US office, and it's why why Michael Scott is more lovable. It is much more fantastical. It's much more, you know, farcical. It's much more, like, the UK office is is a grinding reality, you know? Like, the UK office is so, so real, and the US just isn't. So, and I think that's why, like, with the English office being so kind of dogmatic to the format, it, it makes it kind of a bit of a farce when you do have fans of the office or actors from the office saying that like they stuck to the mockumentary uh, perspective, they stuck to the realism uh, religiously. And, you know, we didn't get any shots that you wouldn't get a mockumentary. We didn't do anything that wouldn't happen, et cetera, et cetera. And then you, you look at the English office where the English office is like a study in tedium, uh, of working in mm. office and then the US office is very much comparatively slapstick yeah definitely. I don't know the UK office makes me too sad I can't I can't really ha- I, I don't think I've ever rewatched it really no I don't think I have oh, either yeah. I mean you really should go and have a look because it is absolutely because I couldn't watch Scott's tots how do you think I'm going to fare with the UK office the UK office <laughs> came like that sweet spot of kind of uh, like just college era where like 
streaming wasn't around yet cheap dvds were and like you just throw on something at the end and like you know and like so i would have watched that on repeat for about three years kind of thing like proper know it from start to finish and it's just perfection like it but it doesn't have those kind of like there's no scott's tots moments in it in that respect it's just so well observed yeah uh do you want to wrap it up and give your final positions on if the office is a legitimate like yeah okay i will go first and yeah look i've said i've set out my stall i think for a few seasons it's one of the greatest comedies of all time and i think even when it's not that it's uh still very enjoyable it's such an easy comfortable watch like it is my go-to sort of even if i just want to watch like eight minutes of something while i'm doing something i'll just flick on i can pretty much flick on any episode of the office and uh so yeah i think it's it's not perfect by any means but uh if i had been making it i would also have kept on making it for many many seasons to make loads of money um and it's uh yeah absolutely legitimate like I don't think you can take down the American office. It's just so like, there's something so sweet and so comforting about it and so funny. And the fact that anytime anyone jumps on anything, someone will say parkour is an unbelievable thing. Like still that happens. I used to do parkour when I was like 16 or 17. And whenever I told people that for a while, they would just go parkour. As soon as I said, I used to do parkour. I think that is an amazing thing to have seeped into the consciousness of the world. Uh, and I love it. Uh, I said legitimate like from old Willy Boy. So it's over to Alan Grace just to take us home and say all the things we haven't said about why it's brilliant. Or a real trailer for the books. Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, who knows? Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I can't disagree with any of that. It's like you. It's uh, one of those shows where as soon as you've, you know, you've got five minutes and you're just trying to like get a sandwich and you can't start eating until you've picked your show on Netflix. The obvious thing to do is throw on the office i couldn't tell you how many times i've rewatched it which for something that is 200 plus episodes uh is an incredible amount of time of your life um i'll show you now terrible for a podcast medium but uh my house is obviously very very well appointed because my wife buys all the stuff but i do have this little thing that's my the only kind of um part of the house that i got to decorate i'll show it to you now and you can tell your listeners what it is oh gracie <laughs> has got a a dwight's bobblehead beside a lovely vintage record player and a beautiful lamp like i tell you very well appointed it's the only thing i'm being allowed to put up in the house um so yeah it's it's 100 legitimate like it's i think it's the funniest u.s comedy uh, ever made i'd put it ahead of uh everything else put it ahead of seinfeld curb um anything you can imagine i'd still hold out hope for the uk office being a little bit better uh but then as i say you do have moments like Michael Scott giving Toby a rock as his going away present, and uh, and you think maybe this this is absolutely fucking genius. So it's one hundred percent legitimate like uh, for me. Amazing. Onya, how would you have voted? It's a legitimate like for me, and I think it's uh, very comforting, Gracie, to hear that you also do that thing of like having to pick your show before you eat something oh, yeah. because it's one of those things that happens in houses across the country, and I've, it's just never occurred to me that that's something else other people um, think. Onya, so, will yeah, you so- please commit? to the listeners to watch Scott's Tots. Yes. Yeah. Just once. And record your reaction. Uh, okay, I will, I, will, I will watch it and I'll record my, my uh, 30 seconds of my thoughts and we can splice it into the episode. Yes, yeah, like it is perfection. Episode. There's some dancing that you're going to love. Oh, oh and Michael Scott fate during the dancing when he realises what's happening. Yeah. 
it yeah. makes me want to claw my skin off just thinking about it. I don't know what it is. Like, uh, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, is there anything else awkward you'd like me to? I mean, I, I mean, there must be other things you guys find too cringy, but that I, I but no, but it's more on you that you've never even watched it the first time. That's what got yeah. me that you you self selected. I yeah, guess. that's surreal. You know. Yeah, I just heard I heard the buzz. I thought this isn't for me, and I've just did it. It's like a Pavlovian impulse now when it comes on. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to watch this. Well, listeners, it's going to happen, and you'll you'll hear what what Anya thinks of it. Gracie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Oh, absolutely delighted to come on. And that's podcasting. Have me back. And that's podcasting. Hold my cheese. Podcasting legitimate likes cheese. Alan Gracie's here. Now he's gonna go. Da 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 da. da. Is that good? It was something. Your mouth at the end was really something. You look like a, a gargoyle on the side of a cathedral. That was actually a recent casting call that I got, so that's good. Seriously? Another oh. little bit of oh. office trivia is that the the uh, the theme song they were going to use, Mr. Blue Sky, and then ultimately it was used for something else, so they wrote their own one. And I think Mr. Blue Sky would have been a great theme song for it. But as is Except that it's one, on everything. So. It is now. I hate the theme song, actually. That's... Hate the theme oh. song, do you? Mr. Um, Mr. Blue Sky, why is this guy so blue? Why are you named after this guy? Blue Sky. Thank you for listening to Legitimate Likes. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please let us know what you thought. Get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at Legitimate Likes. Send us an email if you like, legitimate likes at gmail.com. Follow Alan Grace on his various platforms as well. And uh, it's always always feels weird calling you Alan Grace, Gracie. I feel like I feel like we're in a court. <laughs> Onya, thanks for producing. You're very welcome. Will, thank you as always. I think she's in a fit. Will, can you give us an update on the carpet? Is it still done? It smells, it smells really bad. It smells terrible and I am really sad. Sad, because I didn't clean it up very well at all and I think my girlfriend will be sad. You've got a girlfriend. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the journal likes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.